Father, it is our great delight to bow before the God who, who spoke the very universe into existence. That by your divine fiat, worlds were flung into a universe, one of which we now occupy, one that now has in, experienced grace and mercy everlasting. It is for this very insignificant orb for which you sent your Son. And we are people who have found forgiveness, mercy, and grace amazing because of the finished and accomplished work of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, it is our delight to come before you, to bow the knee, we know that one day every knee will bow, whether willingly or unwillingly. Ours are very willing knees, O oh God. We know who is king, and it isn't us. It isn't I who created. It isn't I who have lived such a way that my soul is now prepared to stand before you. It is Christ Jesus the Lord and only his work that has made it possible for a sinner such as I to stand before you with confidence. And so as men and women who will never taste condemnation, we come to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we continue to find great concern in a, in a world that will not set its rage and hostility down. It's a world, O oh God, that has gone mad in the pursuit of rights and, and, and vendettas and retribution and vengeance. And, O oh Father, might the Christian church stand not only in this community, but in communities all around the world to say that the only peace to be had that is lasting is a peace that begins with the prince, the one whose life and death means that men can be forgiven and can forgive. Father, we have marriages that are standing in this room where a spouse has not yet forgiven her husband or a husband not yet forgiven his wife, and the relationship continues to spiral down because they have not yet forgiven. And I pray, Lord, that they, you might return them to the place where all forgiveness centers, the finished work of Jesus. Father, for those who are experiencing health traumas and and professional traumas, we pray that you might speak a word to them this day, that they might be able to leave with a greater sense of hope, a greater sense of uh, determination to go out and choose rightly, to choose for righteousness. Lord, uh, disobedience is our enemy. Obedience. That's what, that's what will simplify our lives. So, Father, grant us a fresh supply of grace so that we might determine again afresh to obey. Lord, thank you for the privilege of giving. It is all ours. We have a lot, an awful lot, and it's our privilege to give a portion of it away. 
Lord, might that portion that we keep become less and less as we realize that what we have has been given to us so that we might give it away. Use every dime of this to expand the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Take your Bibles, if you will, if you'll open with me to um, the book of 1 John. We um, are interrupting our, uh, our study of the book of Genesis because um, the second Sunday of every month, as most of you already know, we uh, try to observe the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Sometimes it changes, but uh, most of the time it's the second Sunday of the month. So you follow in your copies as I read to you out of 1 John 4, verses 7 through 11. Here we go. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. What I have sought to do over the past few months, and we get interrupted, but uh, what I've sought to do uh, lately is to give you a chance during the Lord's Supper to be more of a participator than, than a spectator. This sacrament demands participation. You're, you're going to be handling uh, elements that have symbolic val- value. I, I merely want to enhance your participation with a few brief comments and then step aside. Get out of your way. As you uh, worship individually uh, through this sacrament that, um, that sometimes becomes rather rote, we're hoping that that won't happen to you. So here are my brief comments. Last Thursday, uh, it was uh, February the 3rd, when I first turned my computer on um, and I log on to AOL, I don't know what, what happens with your computer screen, but at, at my computer screen, what comes on first is a little screen that is, that is giving you the news. There's a, there's a business story, and there's a, um, a sports story, and then there's a world news story. Well, the, um, when I turned it on on Thursday morning, the lead story that day, the world news story, was about two women I don't know whether you saw it or not, but it, it was moving to me. There, there were two women, and one of them was an Iraqi woman. And this Iraqi woman is, is living in the States for, for whatever reasons. And on the 30th of January, of course, she voted. I think she voted on the 29th, but the, you know the big uh, vote that took place in, in Iraq. And she voted in this country 
um, in, to be a participant in the, um, the Iraq elections. During that process, she meets somehow another woman who is an American. And this American woman had lost her son in the Iraqi war. And so this Iraqi woman who had voted now meets an American woman who lost her son so that this Iraqi woman could vote. And the picture was of these two women embracing and, and crying and uh, on and on it went. And as I looked at that, I, I wondered, what is the proper response to that kind of sacrifice? You know, I know it's kind of difficult for us so far detached from what's going on in, in Iraq, but what, what would be the, the, the proper response if I met someone who had made that kind of sacrifice for me? Uh, what, what comes out out of the human heart when I come face to face with that kind of sacrifice that has meant so much to me? Now, forget all the politics just for a minute, if you can, all of you uh, Democrats and Republicans out there. For, set that aside for a moment and, um, and just, just uh, try to imagine if I'm an Iraqi and, and I ended up with, um, with a new nation, um, a, an ability to vote, the deposition of a cruel, tyrannical dictator who was now in custody... Now I have got this great future as a nation, but my great blessing came at the expense of your son. How do I respond to that? In, in that human dilemma, what is the legitimate response I don't know. I don't know. I, I, would it be love? You, you would think, wouldn't you? I mean, you certainly wouldn't want to steal her car, now, would you? That is, the woman whose son died so that you could be a free person and vote. What would be the legitimate response in the face of sacrifice so great? Perhaps you can already tell where I want to go, but with this. Gang, when you come to this table this morning, what is it that is being presented to you? What, what is it that's being portrayed in this, this, uh, this piece of drama that's unfolding in front of you? What is it that's being said? What are these things? I mean, you buy them at schnooks. You know what they look like. You know what they are. But what are they in this setting? They're symbols, ladies and gentlemen. They're emblems. They're reminders of a sacrifice. They are a reminder that at the heart of the Christian message is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Not so that I could vote, but so that I could live. So that I could live eternally. 
But that living eternally came at a very high price. So what is the proper response to that? In, in view of what is set out here before you and what it symbolizes, what is the legitimate, appropriate response to this? Flowers? Chocolate? How do you respond in the face of this kind of sacrifice? Tell me, ladies, when do you sense the most that you're loved? Is it not when you feel that, that someone has made some kind of sacrifice for you? I mean, ladies, don't you sense more love from your husband's when he sacrifices for you than when he buys you chocolates? I, I think so. I, I think that's really normal and, and universal. But gang, today we are going to participate in a sacrament. And what I want to do is simply challenge you to make a legitimate response. And I can tell you without reservation that that response is going to involve sacrifice. I don't know exactly the details of your sacrifice, but, but here's, how it would, here's how it should go. Something like this. In view of the love of God for me that led him to send his son, I now respond to that sacrifice by loving him back, which means that I will have to sacrifice. Love that leads to sacrifice leads to love that leads to sacrifice. Is that confusing? In view of the love of God that led to sacrifice, my response is one of love that involves sacrifice. I am going to feast on, I'm going to drink and eat something that remind me of the love of God for me in the, in the death of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I'm reminded that his love for me demanded the sacrifice of his son. That's what this text says in 1 John 4. So my response is to love back. And, and I love because I was first loved. And, and the text points out that, that God's love prompted him to give to me. That's the, that's the heart and soul of this text, ladies and gentlemen. That the love of God prompted him to give to me. And so what I'm simply proposing is that a proper response would be that in view of that love, that's going to lead me to do something similar. So how do I love back? I sacrifice. By the way, I, I chose that word instead of the word giving. Because if I were to use that word, you would, you would conclude that I'm looking for money. I'm not looking for money. I'm not looking for money. <laughs> I'm looking for the legitimate response to sacrificial love. That's what I'm looking for. Now, in your mind, is that, does that mean money? 
Okay, for heaven's sakes, write a check. Write a big check. Write a huge check. And, and give it with a sense of privilege and sacrifice. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not what I'm after. I'm simply answer, after, in, in, in view of what has been displayed for us here, what is the appropriate response? Well, the text lists one for us. One of the appropriate responses is that we love each other. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? I, you know, I, 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 had, I get the privilege of uh, a particular vantage point in this church. And I'm telling you, I don't know of a lot of ugliness that's going on. I, there is a sense, in, in a very small way, that we do love each other. There's not a whole lot of yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I don't hear that next to none. So one of the appropriate responses, as the text lists for us, is indeed that we love one another. But let me suggest a couple of others. What about a week of your, your vacation that you give so that you can be involved in some kind of service project? Or um, how about a change in your schedule that would uh, free up an hour, uh, an hour a week, so that you could invest it in some small child in tutoring? Or how about a, a, a Saturday spent in a work project in the inner city? How about a gift to grace venture? Gang, my plea this morning is not for some kind of do-goodism. My plea is for a legitimate expression of love for the one whose broken body and shed blood means life eternal for me. All proper Christian response is in view of love. Guilt, ladies and gentlemen, is when I put pressure on you from the outside, but don't change your insides. All proper Christian response springs is in view of love, ladies and gentlemen. So were I to succeed in my purpose today, let me show you what success would look like. If I succeed in what I'm trying to do by the power of the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, let me show you what success will look like or feel like. It's going to look like or it's going to feel like. It's going to be very similar to an Iraqi woman who had gained an awful lot who now meets a woman who had sacrificed so much so that she could have so much. Having seen, ladies and gentlemen, the love of God displayed in this sacrament, I ask you, how will you respond in view of love? Gang, from this point on, you're on your own. What do you say to the one who loved you and gave himself up for you? What is the proper response? I don't know. I don't know what it is for you, specifically. I know this. It will involve 
sacrifice. And what we're going to do this morning is while this sacrament is being observed, we're going to give you just some few brief minutes, three, four minutes, to simply contemplate how you might legitimately respond in view of love. Let's pray. Our Father, I do ask that your people might be moved, not by a sense of anything but love, that it might be their being overwhelmed with what has been provided for them, not, a, not an opportunity to vote, but an opportunity to live everlastingly. In view of that, O oh God, stir up the proper, legitimate, appropriate response as we contemplate the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Meet us in this sacrament, O oh God. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me say this real quickly. Um, whether you're a member of Gracie Van or not is not important to us at this time. That is, you don't have to be a member of Gracie Van to participate. But you do need to be a Christian. That is, if you're here without Jesus Christ, we would encourage you not to participate in this. We would love to talk to you about that, and I, I, we wish you'd give us that privilege. But this, this is a sacrament for the people of God. And if you're trusting in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, no matter whether you're a member here or elsewhere, we invite you to come. I think you know the story. Um, the story is that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had gathered in the upper room with his disciples, and he took bread. Just like this. Well, maybe not like this, but bread. When he had broken it, he turned to his disciples and he said this. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's an imperative statement from our Lord. Without the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no remission of our past, our present, or our future sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no justification. There's no redemption. There's no forgiveness. There's no cleansing. There's no victory. No wonder Peter would say, Oh, the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, as we partake, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I'd like to close this service is by singing together a very meaningful stanza of hymnology. It talks about forgiveness, and I hope that you can leave here today with a, with a swell in your soul over having been forgiven and will never, ever come under the condemnation of the living God.